Ross, how you doing? Welcome back. Deemer, we're back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we give everybody a baby update. How's the baby doing? The baby's doing great. About almost three months. Almost three months. What, what, what was the name again? Is it Marcus? Marcus. Marcus, Marcus Rosario. Rosario okay. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So baby He's Ross. He's a cutie pie. He's a cutie patootie. Is everybody calling him Ross yet? No, <laughs> nobody's calling him Ross. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, he's Marcus, call him Max, uh, Sparky. Spark. Spark. Yeah. Sparky. Spark, yeah. Hi. Oh, it reminds, uh, rhymes with Mark, and I had a friend that they always called him Spark. His name was Mark. They called him Spark. All right, man. All right, <laughs> all right. I just kind of figure because as we talked about in the show that your whole family is Rosses. The, yeah, the yeah. I mean, it's Ross. Yeah, yeah. there's not many yeah. female Rosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's we, there's female Rosarios, it, but but not in my family. <laughs> all right, Ross. Let's get let's get into our topics today. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we have uh, been on the show, and a lot of stuff has happened. Where do you where do you want to start? It's it's your baby. This is your baby. Oh, you, you oh tell, it's, it's you my baby. Me. I mean, I you know, I I I put on the list. I, I Biden as the the first story with the prosecution because I feel like that's been the the biggest you know national news story. But you know, I don't care. You said you said Biden or Trump. Biden with the prosecutor's report. That then we we added oh, right, a couple right. new topics that those might be bigger. But what it was was that prosecutorial report about Biden. All right, well, let's start with Biden then. Biden in the prosecutor report in response, as we know that there there are top secret documents that were not where the top secret documents are supposed to be. And we saw that with Trump. We saw that with uh, Vice President Pence. We saw that with. Biden, who was vice president and now is president, we we saw that with many other officials that for some reason top secret documents just find their way to people's garages. I don't know why. We could speculate on that all day, but what happens is is then the DOJ and the prosecutors come in and they want to investigate, see if this was malicious, see what was going on, and then they decide, hey, was this a a crime? And if even if it wasn't a crime, uh, what do we do about it? What do we say about it? And if it was a crime, do we prosecute? And anyway, kind of the level of response from the Justice Department. Well, they found that this uh, taking of the documents for Biden that was found next to in his garage next to his Corvette was not a crime. And they're saying that they're not going to prosecute because of Biden's memory. Um, they said that Biden didn't remember the date of his son dying. Uh, Bo, was it? You're right. Uh, they also said that uh, Biden didn't remember uh, different dates of him or things that happened when he was being a vice president. I, did they mention that he they didn't he didn't remember being vice president? What, what years he was? Right. Oh, right. One year he was. Okay. So, <clears throat> what what is what is your take on all this? Because I have a mixed response. Yeah, I do too. I I think that um, you know we've been bombarded with clips, you know, over the past few years of of Biden kind of misspeaking and sounding like. <clears throat> He doesn't know one state from the other, one country from the other, this or that, you know, right names, wrong names. He misspeaks a lot. And, um, you know, that's was the main line in the report was, you know, diminished mental capacity. And it's like, well, how can you how can you vote for a candidate with diminished mental capacity? That's like, you know, the the the, the narrative right now. But for me, a, I don't think it was malicious. Now that's just me, right? Should it be left to a jury to decide? Maybe so. Right. But um, I, I don't think him or Trump, for that matter, is malicious. I don't think Biden took some foreign, uh, you know, foreign intelligence documents to give it to his ghostwriter to put in a book about, you know, here's all the details of what I told Obama about Afghanistan. But I don't buy any of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just think. 
I didn't hear that conspiracy theory. Yeah, part of it was, well, did you tell this stuff to your ghostwriter? Did you did you give this stuff? Did you tell this stuff to your ghostwriter okay. for writing a book or something okay. like that? But, you know, I, I just think these guys are... The more and more I dealt with some of the, the leaders in Cleveland, I just felt like a lot of these guys are kind of like my family members, you know, my, right. my just, dad, just my, dudes. my, yeah, my uncle, you know, get some shit right, grand- get some shit wrong. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think there's some conspiracy or, um, you know, should they know the letter of all the laws? Uh, probably there are our most important people, the people with the most power, but they don't. That's just the reality of the, the world. I'm a lawyer. I don't know all the laws of the state of Ohio or the city of, Cl- city of Cleveland codified ordinances, you know, things like that. Uh, and so uh, I don't think he should be charged. I We said when this came up with Trump, I didn't think that Trump should be, you know, in prison for this or charged or anything like this. Uh, you know, laws are man-made. They get stagnant. Um, some of them are Orwellian. Um, with, with the guy who, who I think was a Republican, the, the, the special counsel, right. who I think was a Republican, you know, that kind of is a shot that that they can use to play well. It's like when you're a, when you're a lawyer and you deal in criminal court, there needs to be a, what's known as a mens rea, right? A mental aspect to I meant to commit this crime. You know, right. I meant to do it. And it's like, well, he doesn't even know what year his son died. I mean, we know Biden makes a lot of mistakes. I don't even know that it's due to age. Right. I, I think he was making these types of gaffes when he was 35, right. you know, things like that. Right. And we all do, and all the guys in my family do. So um, it's it's won some news cycles. It's made, it's been good red meat. It's been really, really good red meat. Um, that's kind of my take on it. What? Put it down more? No, no, no. Just keep it in front of your mouth. Oh, like, sorry. sorry. Yeah, I move a lot. But you yeah. can move it. Yeah, yeah. But you can I, move it. I feel like a wrestler now. I got an actual microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but move it. Feel comfortable. Okay. Today, today, everybody, if you guys are wondering what's going on, is that we usually have like a lav mics that are clipped on. And so you're probably hearing the voice and the audio a little bit more clearly uh, because we just changed the setup a little bit because, well, we're... It's beautiful. Feel like a real studio. Yeah. Yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> so my opinion of this is... <clears throat> um, I think it was very nitpicky to say he doesn't remember the dates. Like, as you know, my, my sister passed and things like that. And we all have family members that passed. But it's like people would ask me, when did she pass? I have no clue. I don't right. know the date. I know the sum of time. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't even totally remember the year. I can tell you ballpark. Maybe it was this, this, or this. Um, it's yeah, just We're not all Rain Man. We're not all Rain Man. It just, it just fades. It just honestly just fades. And you know what happened. Um, and so I think that that's really nitpicking. Uh, the, the nitpick about the dates of being in office, I, I think that's kind of more, I mean, we can remember because it's a four-year term, So I, and there's two of them. That's kind of weird that he wouldn't remember that. But you know what? Again, uh, again I don't think that's a big deal. Um, so for somebody who does like podcasts and talks for a living and, you know, and, and, you know, is running for office and you ran for office, mistakes happen all the time. You forget a name and they're like, and so, and it's easy for people to just jump on you and just go like, oh, I can't believe you forgot the name of this person or that place or whatever. It's like, it just didn't come to me. And because you're asked, asked to think of everything on the spot. So the way that I was thinking about it the other day, actually. Was that when you prep for these kind of uh, situations, is you prep for the 
statistically greatest chance of getting certain questions, right? And so if you were to say, I'm going to prep for, for this questionnaire or this podcast, uh, we look at our, you know, our docket, we see what we're going to talk about today. And I'm mentally prepared to talk about most of those things. But if we just start talking about, I don't know, kangaroos in Australia, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to just whip out a coherent statement or a thought about kangaroos in Australia, because that's not what I was thinking about coming into this. And a lot of that happens. So and with a politician or anybody who speaks for a living, the chances are that something like this, you know, uh, it's something that you weren't thinking about comes into your into question. Like, yeah, that's the, and then you have to try to figure it out. Like, what am I talking about? Who's the president? What what's what state or what country are we talking about? You know, and it's like it's hard. People need to live in the actual world that we live in. And that means <clears throat> having a little bit of grace about the fact that the donor class a lot of times elevates kind of. You know, not again, not rain mans. We don't have rain mans everywhere, you know, in, in any position at any level. The Ohio State House, Cleveland City Council, um, and, and of course in Washington, D.C. We do not have um, the uh, the guy, Ken Jennings from Jeopardy. We just right, don't have right. that. There are no Ken Jenningses anywhere in positions of power. And Joe Biden was a guy, I think when he was in law school, he got caught plagiarizing twice. So literally his whole career, he's been looking for people to kind of guide him with what to say, you know, that I'm not crucifying him. I'm just saying it wasn't a deal breaker then. It's not a deal breaker 50 years later. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about plagiarizing. I think it should have been a deal breaker, to be honest with you. But then again, we could talk about what plagiarizing means. Um we won't go into that conversation, but I, I think so. Anyway, I'm, we're giving I'm giving Biden a pass with this one. To be honest with you, I'm giving him a big pass because I think it's just really nitpicky and people are just uh, you know jumping on him. That said, that does not ex that, that does not change my opinion of if I think he should be running at this point. Complete ag agreed, agreed. Right, and and I also doesn't mean that. There's this talk about ageism. I want to ask you about that word ageism. What do you what what do you think that means? And a lot of people are saying using this word as being ages as somebody that's you know seventy plus or eighty or even going into their upper eighties or nineties starts you know running for office or being the CEO or it, and then people are saying well if you don't think you could do it you're ageist. What do you think of that statement? Well, I think Aegis would be saying uh, if you did it in a groupist type way, right? Like all people 85 and older are not capable. And that's not the way I view it. I think you have to look at it as case-by-case -case basis. What I think we need more in this country is more kind of written stances on where you stand on the pertinent issues and more debates, legitimate debates, not the kind of sideshow um, kind of crap that we've seen from the Republican side now and, right. and in 2020 with the Democrats, not scripted things with two, you know, one minute answers on about eight questions and red meat, blue meat, blah, 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 blah. We need, if, if you give Joe Biden or any candidate, I, that's, again, I don't want to get, if you give somebody, whether it's uh, uh, somebody of Feinstein's age, Bernie's age, Biden and Trump's age, or older, if you gave a hundred year old um, the chance to make his case to the, to the American people or people in any country, 
I'll give him a chance. I'll give him or her a chance. So, but me personally, if I was a California voter, I probably would have been voting against Feinstein. You know, you, you know, it's actually you mentioned California. I was just looking this up right now. Uh, uh, Representative Barbara Lee, who's running for the Senate now in California, said that she wants a fifty dollar an hour federal minimum wage. And you're just talking about the debates and how the conversation is totally messed up. She's that question was asked during the debate the other day, and she said they said, "Hey, so uh, Congresswoman Lee, you want a fifty dollar an hour?" federal minimum wage you have 30 seconds explain why actually i think it was 60 seconds like 60 seconds explain why and she and i she tried to do it and it was just like that's a big conversation for for 60 seconds of course in second second of all we're not going to discuss a 50 dollar an hour minimum wage that's kind of crazy but <laughs> no i mean i mean this is why i i you know, reward you or give you a lot of credit for running now twice and, and having all these, I think you did a Bitcoin podcast. You've been podcasting for like many, many years, long form, you know, and, and it's just like, you get the feeling that they're hiding Biden and Trump from us, you know, this time around that they're hiding them from us, you know, they're hiding themselves. We, we were talking about just a minute ago um, about identity and going to school and things like that. And I was just actually watching a podcast before you came in. I watch podcasts in the shower just to let everybody know. If you guys don't know, IP68 rating on your iPhones and your smartphones, therefore they're water resistant or waterproof <laughs> up to two to six meters. So you could take them in the shower, no problem. And I do. And I watch my YouTube videos in there. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so, I, nobody needed to know that. <laughs> but uh, I was just watching something about the identity of people's products. And we we're just talking about universities and the identity. Like you just said, like, oh, I'm third generation going to Notre Dame or Harvard or whatever. And what we have now is we have identity in politics. I identify more with, say, the idea or what it makes me feel as a person or how I perceive myself as Donald Trump or Joe Biden or other Democrats or other Republicans. And that's why I'm voting for him more so than the policies and so on and so forth. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. For sure. For sure. And and, and we've got to get back to, you know, uh, I think the minimum wage should be this. I think the minimum wage should be that. Here's why. Make two good faith arguments about it. Don't have it be over six seconds. Have it be on two-hour-long podcast, right. three-hour-long podcast. That is a two-hour conversation. Yeah, Just the minimum, exactly. minimum wage itself is two hours. Exactly. Three, four. And so um, – Weeks. That's, and that's just one issue. And that's just one issue. Right. You know what I mean? So um, that's why we do these podcasts. Um, that's what needs to happen more. If you want the mantle, if you want the position of leadership and the responsibility that comes with that and managing our tax dollars and all that, uh, you should have to make your case consistently and on all relevant issues, you know, and so instead of identity politics, but that's what we have. You know, I want to just comment on, on the ageist thing is I want to say that I, I am ageist with certain things and that might come off the wrong way, but um, not with certain things I am because here's the thing is I think that society, American society has forgot what older people bring to the table and therefore they don't, uh, it's kind of like they don't see the value in the older generation for what their value is. And that's experience, life experience or work experience or knowledge or the, or the ability to calm the hell down and just make slower decisions and think things through. Um, and, and you see that just the, the, the things that you acquire with age changes, uh, you know, um, and, and I, 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 I can't put I can't put it into words right now because I'm just, you know, off the cuff You're right now. You're too young. You're too young. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 yeah, I might I might be. But I could tell you right now, my 44-year-old self is de definitely different than my 24-year-old self. The way that I process information, the way I think, the things that I'm interested about, m the way that I handle 
uh, information or events or or stress. Um, and I think that that's one thing that we are not um, we, we don't appreciate for, with the older generation. And so, and so, for example, uh, Sarah's dad is a, a doctor. He's retired, forty plus years of experience, and that experience is now just basically being retired, shuffling around the house or trying to fill his time. I mean. Obviously, he's doing a good job. He's also taking on different cases or whatever. But the Cleveland Clinic or any any hospital should be hiring these amazing, skilled, experienced doctors to not only train but also be there for consulting. Train and consult. Yep. Pay mm-hmm. pay these pay these people these experienced people as a I don't know a hotline for younger doctors that are you know to consult with. Like, hey, have you seen this before? Exactly. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen exactly? So, so you may just came out of residency. You might be practicing for ten years, but like, oh, this case is a little weird. I don't know what it is. Call this person that with forty some years experience. Just say, hey, would you like to be on call? Just to pick up the phone if a doctor wants to call you, send you a message, consult or something. That's a, that's a resource that, and you don't have to pay them a lot. But hey, here's here's like twenty grand just to be on on call, twenty grand a year, you know, or something. That's right. And so I, I kind of like, I feel the same way about politics. It's it's like this is what we should be doing. This is what say people like Biden, people like Captor people like Dennis Kucinich should be doing is being there for the new generation, not only training them up, not only mentoring them, but being there for the experience to help transitions of getting into office or whatever. And that's what they, I think we should be tapping into them for. Not by saying, hey, you're the only person that can run for office. You're the only person that can lead. And I think that is a cultural thing because the way that we look at older people is that if they're not the 40-year-old young buck person that is uh, you know, leading and commanding and CEO and and all energetic, then therefore their worth is gone. And so we're trying to juxtapose or impose a younger generation of what makes a, you know, a vibrant 30 or 40 or 20 year old person onto an 80 year old person. And that's what's wrong. Right. It's not that saying like, hey, 80 year old person, uh, let's get the 40 year olds in there. It's just like your value is now here because that's where you are. And their value is now here and they, we have to build them up now because that's where their value is. And how does that work together? And I think that we're just failing across, I think, culture and society here in America, that that's how we perceive older, the older generation and how we perceive what, what their worth is. It's like, oh, you if you're not performing like a, a 30-year-old, therefore you're worthless. No, absolutely not. Well, you know, I, I that was very deep. That was very well said. But, um, you know, the other part about it is <clears throat> your Bidens and Trumps and Feinsteins they're not they're not doing the older generation kind of justice because you know they're they're setting they're showing themselves off pretty poorly they're kind of setting a bad, bad example you know and so it takes two to tango they need to say hey i want to be involved you know but but well see but that's the thing that's what i'm trying, trying to say is i don't think that that is entirely their fault i think it's our fault as well is yeah. because because as soon as Somebody who is 80 doesn't perform, like I said, a 40-year-old. We're saying like, oh, they're too old. Get them out of there, blah, blah, blah. That's not where their value is anymore, right? Their value has, has shifted to being this experienced person, this this person of wisdom and rationality and and taking time to d- think through things a little more and learning from life experiences, right. you know? It's like, th- I think that's where the value is. And For so sure. it's like, you're not useless. You're not, you're yeah. just not the spry 40-year-old. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and for some reason, as society, we put that huge burden on them to still perform like a 40-year-old. Yep. And so it's not entirely... You know, Joe Biden's fault or Donald Trump's fault or or Nancy Pelosi's fault or Captain's fault, because right when they retire, it's like, OK, old person, go and just 
chill and enjoy your life and be out of all the no, they still have value. And nobody wants to say that they don't have value anymore. Right. No, so- no, no. It's, it's it's well said. I mean, like you talked about with uh, with Sarah's dad, you know, my mom was is a doctor, was forced in retirement. She's still now, uh, you know, what do you call it, moonlighting or whatever, as teaching forensics. You know, she's an adjunct, teaching, uh, you know, teaching the new generation, the younger generation, not not even close to 40 hours a week. Maybe it's eight hours a week, but it's it's valuable. There's a, there's a significant life experience right. value there. So um, I think your point is very well taken. Anyway, talking about Biden and uh, different things that came up. Let's just keep on with uh, policy and <laughs> uh, Biden's shrinkflation. This video came out during um, the Super Bowl. You want to talk about that really quick? What is it? What are we looking at? Well, I think uh, one thing you had mentioned about putting on the list is <clears throat> Joe seems to be kind of taking Elizabeth Warren's points from the last couple of years, you know, since Elizabeth Warren was in the presidential debate right. you know, and kind of running with it. it was kind of elizabeth warren taking some of bernie's stuff now it's kind of joe biden taking some of elizabeth's stuff you know what i mean right right and so um elizabeth warren had originally brought up this point i've i've seen this written about in independent news um it actually really is a thing it's like if i bought buy a bag of doritos i'm not pinning this on doritos let's just use an exa- a hypothetical example oh, pinning on doritos who gives a shit it, well i love doritos but right. <laughs> nonetheless nonetheless i'm just saying let's say you used to buy a uh uh you know, a bag of Doritos and it used to have 120 chips in it and the size of packaging to fit that. And it was four ninety or three ninety nine. Now it, there's a small change in the bag size, the volume size, and you're still paying three ninety nine, or maybe you're paying four twenty nine. Maybe they actually raised the price as well. Right. You're paying the same amount or more and getting less. This is right. absolutely a thing. This is absolutely a thing. So right, it, it's always been a thing. That's yeah. a thing. It's always been a thing. Um, but what, the, what we're talking about right now is we're talking about the uh, video as well, the ad that came out during the Super Bowl. It was before or after the, it was before the Super Bowl, and Joe Biden was sitting in the it looks like the movie theater room of the White House. And he was talking about being surrounded by snacks and him saying that shrinkflation is something and it's the companies that are causing inflation and you're paying the same amount of, amount of money and you're getting less for it. And, the, and he's calling on the corporations to say, stop, don't do this. Uh, it's your fault that everything is bad. Um, <clears throat> I thought I, I personally thought the, the message was tone deaf. Um, it, it's not that shrinkflation isn't happening, but. I, I feel I felt like the way that he did it was forced, and also it's like we've been talking about inflation for so long now, and you know prices, we, we, the price of eggs and so on and so forth. We always bring up eggs as you know the example. Eggs and carton is milk <laughs> and gas. Um, but we, always, I mean, this has been a conversation for so long, and I think that this is behind the behind the eight ball, like a little bit for the Democrats saying like, oh, now we have instead of talking about inflation, we're going to say. Inflation isn't happening. It's their fault, the corporations and the size of the products that you're getting. Stringflation has happened for decades. It's always happened. It has always happened. It's part of a business model. It's about part of a business plan. Uh, everybody knows that they're going to start out with big portions. And then over time, I mean, if you're selling millions or hundreds of millions of products, you know, uh, uh, you know a half an ounce over a, a year or two years taking away from a product is monster really savings adds yep. really adds up. Mm-hmm. So this is part of their business plan. And I just feel like it's just like this weird narrative that isn't not true, just kind of like it's not 
it's not in tune with what everybody's talking about because we all know it, we all felt it, and it's trying to, I think, create some kind of buzz of, you know, hey, now we're finally talking about inflation. The people have been feeling feeling inflation for the past, you know, four years or so. Um, we've been know we've been talking about shrinkflation. I mean, two years ago, three years ago, actually, me and my buddy had like multiple conversations walking to Costco one day because they didn't want to raise prices and seeing that all their products were, you know, skimmed back, all of them. And it was just like, and we were sending pictures back and forth to each other and talking about like, yeah, this used to be this Interesting. big. Interesting. It's, it's something that's not new. And, you, and especially mm-hmm. when you have raising prices, you don't want to turn people away from your pro, uh, product and you have inflation. There's one thing you can easily do is say, hey, we can just cut, you know, a half ounce from our chip bag. That saves us millions and millions of dollars for the same price. Yeah, no, I, I uh, <clears throat> first of all, I think everything that Biden, Trump does, and most politicians, not, I hope not you and I, but at that level, it seems like everything's scripted. And yes, they're trying to score identity points with people that have been complaining about something, you know? And so were you proposing to do anything about it? You know, can you do anything about it? This is the free market. I mean, <clears throat> what do you- Exactly. You know- <laughs> Exactly. It's like, it's like, hey, corporations, you're bad. And so me, the president of the United States, is going to say, you bad, shrinking things. But at the end of the day, it's the customer's, you know, their responsibility. It's the market. It's like, are you going to still buy the chips? If you still buy the chips, then what do they do? It's not like like this is a, you know, a life or death item. Oh, no, I don't get to buy Doritos. Doritos, yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, I I can't believe they're gouging me on Doritos. You don't have to buy the Doritos. You're not going to die. And by Fritos tangentially related, <laughs> tangentially related, like I guess McDonald's earnings reports comes out and McDonald's. If you've, I don't know if you ever go to McDonald's, you're much healthier than me, but they've clearly raised the price. I, I, I had a chicken nugget or two. <laughs> they've clearly raised the prices on stuff in this time of heavy inflation that we've been complaining about here this last year. Oh yeah. And their earnings came out. It's like, Oh, people are buying less McDonald's. They're eating at home. You know, they're, they're, they're eating at home and because that's the market response, right? If you make a double cheeseburger at McDonald's for 49, guess what? People are going to be like, mm, I'll buy it when it's 249. I'm not going to buy it when it's 449, you know? So um, there's that element of it too. That's exactly what I, I think we're talking about. You know, they, maybe what Biden would have been to me uh, with these politicians, if they really cared about, people's wellness it would be hey we need to start promoting more healthy eating and healthy living and exercising you know things like that maybe we shouldn't be eating doritos maybe we should be eating more vegetables and fruits <laughs> you know things like that and so i'm not sure that he was proposing he could do anything about shrinkflation certainly politicians have not been able to do anything but support inflation you know everybody knows inflatory if that's even a word policy you know um you Housing policy, uh, how rent ha- is inflated currently. You know what I mean? Can you put rent caps on? You know, things like this. So if you're not really doing anything about it, you're really just trying to score those identity points. And beyond that, it's for me and you to deal with. It's for the market to deal with. You know, it's interesting. I just saw um, an article the other day about McDonald's and their customers. And the article said something like the average customer, the average customer that makes under $45,000 a year has stopped going to McDonald's because that, it's too... That's what I saw. That That is what I saw. That's exactly what I saw. Yeah. And so now they're trying to figure out how to win back lower income customers. 
I don't know how you uh, make your stuff cheaper. Exactly. <laughs> it's not exactly. rocket science. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, and it's just I don't know. That is, no, it's not rocket science. Um, People it, are not idiots. Like like we do do stupid things. That we do get in bad habits. We are addicted to dopamine stuff like that. McDonald, you know what I mean? Like McDonald's is good. Like it just is. <laughs> it's how it's made. It's engineered to make money to get you to buy it. <clears throat> but. But people still understand budgetary restraints. Like people still understand their to, budget. to an extent. To yeah. an extent. To an extent. Right. And so it's like, okay, take it to take it to its extreme, right? If McDonald's chicken, twenty chicken nuggets is twenty bucks. Is it twenty bucks? No, 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 not at all. But it, just take it to more extreme. You're just not going. You're going to go to Giant Eagle. You're going to go to all these. You know, you're going to go to Walmart, and you're going to make your own chicken nuggets. Like it's it's just common sense. Like you can't charge steakhouse prices for McDonald's food. You just can't do it. I'm I'm looking up uh, the cost of a twenty piece chicken nuggets. Probably like I'm guessing it's like six ninety nine or something. No way, dude. That's uh, way too cheap. Oh, you oh twenty piece. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I maybe it's nine ninety nine. I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. <laughs> this is some. This is the thing that people do Most not care about. Most people buy twenty pieces. I went through a bad phase. I went through a bad phase. I was eating too many twenty pieces. Most people buy six, six or ten pieces. I'm, four, I'm, six or ten pieces. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sixer myself. Yeah. Uh, no sauce. I just like oh, to eat the sweet and sour bar, barbecue. I no, love man, it. Oh, the nuggy straight. Got to oh. go the nuggy straight. <laughs> um, man, there's some, these things are high and it, it calories. It might depend on the state, right? If you go to California, the the six piece nugget might be more expensive than in here in Ohio, right? So, I mean, there's a lot going on with the dynamics. Okay, so it looks like we're talking about eight bucks for a twenty piece. Eight bucks. Okay. Okay. About eight bucks for a twenty piece. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, if that's your deal, if you can afford it and you love those chicken nuggets that much, the the pink slime, you know. I mean, they're a th- over a thousand calories for a twenty piece. So I mean, you're really getting your caloric intake there. Some protein, some calories. Yeah, you can fuel half the but, day on a, on a twenty piece. But that's why I brought this up—the shrinkflation thing. And I saw that forty-five thousand dollars salary and under, and they're, you know, again, they're they don't have the money. You can't you can't inflate McDonald's pricing. You know, it's for value eating it's for value eating well you can but here's here's the thing and i I, this is an interesting conversation because what you're seeing is um so mcdonald's is changing the pricing so they're losing a lot of low uh income customers which low income customers mcdonald's used to be their go-to because of the dollar menu so you you know to go in there a couple bucks get a couple cheeseburgers a small fry and you for three bucks you had yourself a meal that was the value prop of McDonald's for a long time. And everybody saw that and was like, damn, you're getting a lot of customers, so we're going to do a dollar menu as well. I don't know where the dollar menu went. It went to a $3 menu, but it is gone. And so there are still the people. It's like the dollar, like the dollar menu customers still exist. And so now what's happening is the dollar menu customers are going to um, the gas stations. The gas oh. stations, I think, are kind of like catering more to the dollar menu customers now. So you have this gas station food, these gas right. tra- gas station. I think you're it, right. It's not only the bag chips and things like that, but also the hot dogs no, on yeah, the wheel and the food. Yeah, they have hot food. Yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that's a good. I th- I think that's a good hypothesis. I can't, you know, I, I'm not certain, but for sure they're going. So- you, the one thing we know about humans is you can't not eat. You know, you can't not eat. And so you got to take your money elsewhere and, and you got to strategize. You got to strategize. We're getting squeezed. We're getting squeezed for sure. 
One hundred percent. And um, anyway, that's about string stringflation. I, I again, I just thought the messaging, the overall political messaging, I think it was out of touch. Um, I think it was be the way behind. It's something that, that the people have been talking about for a long time. It's a scapegoat of inflation to say, oh, it's the corporations that's the problem, not me, not the government, not the the Fed, not the printing of money, not all of these different aspects. So. Um, well, what I like the thing that I liked when you said to, to talk about to put it on was that it was kind of and I because I looked up the Warren thing and I put the Warren. It's really Biden mimicking Elizabeth Warren, and that uh, that rang true to me. Yeah, it, oh, well, it's one hundred percent, and I don't know if that's coming from Warren and Warren. It makes me wonder the power dynamic or, or and how that's get going through like the DNC and like the the powers and consultants that be. Like, is it Warren, you know, really saying like this is a winning topic, so let's try to push it out and see if that's going to help us in uh, November. And then the Biden administration and the DNC is like, yeah, we're going to use that to see how it polls and it started polling well. Uh, there's a reason why that Biden jumped onto this. And right. It's right before the Super Bowl. That's prime time. Like, that's all the eyeballs. Right. So that was a very uh, probably strategized decision. Oh, but speaking of the Super Bowl, and, and this is not on our list, but did you see the uh, RFK Jr. ad, Super Bowl yeah, ad, I the did. candy ad? Yeah. What did you think about it? Uh, again, I mean, you're, it's a way to strike. Uh, people of a certain ilk in their heart and get them to identify. Hundred percent. I thought it was brilliant. You know? Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. It was strat. It was strategy. You know, it was good strategy for people that love the Kennedys and love Kennedy stuff. It was yeah. You know, and there's a there's a, a romantic nature about that type. Hundred percent. Picture and the production. Hundred yeah. percent. So yeah, it was very smart. It, it was, was super. <laughs> He, the, the the pushback is everybody's like, oh, you. Uh, first of all, his family's like, oh, you're you're tarnishing the name of uh, you know JFK. And uh, first of all, he is RFK's son. Uh, you can't. He can use the name as much as he wants. His dad was shot. Like, yeah. Uh, second of all, it's like uh, everybody's like, oh, you're exploiting the Kennedy. If my name was Kennedy and I was running for office, I would I would exploit the hell out of it. I would ride those coattails until the coattails fell off and they like, ground down to nothing. Dude, when we first started this podcast, or you know, at the toward the beginning of it, we talked about the beginning of RFK's campaign ad nauseum, and I said, not I said a bunch, you know, because you're always like, hey, you got to play the hits, your blue blue meat, your red meat, you got to play the hits. Yep. Him and his name is the ultimate is the hit. hit. Yes, the ultimate hit. Yes. You know, so of course you got to go down that road. And, and I don't think he should apologize for it. No, no, no. You got to do what you got to do. You got to do a game. I mean, it's not even a game. You're just. Here's the thing: is like I don't think that that's exploiting. I don't think that's a game. It's just like my oh. name is Kennedy. My uncle was the president. My my my. You know, my father was. I think I don't want to put words in the family's mouth, but I think what the family's saying is, if Dad and if Unc were still alive, they wouldn't endorse your candidacy. They wouldn't vote for you. <laughs> I think. Here's the thing: is I think that they don't. They have no. They have no clue what their dad or right, uncle would say. Nobody does. They're dead. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sadly, uh, tragic. Very tragic. But like, like who, who, who the hell are you? I mean, it's like you can it, both make the claims you want. How to make. many candidates have has used their name to get into office since then? Oh man, you're or write right. a book, yes. or do or do Good different point. things. I've kind of been forgetting about them. Good point. There's yes. been there's been senators. There's mm -hmm. I mean, and then there's people that write books. You know, and they do different things. Everybody who is a Kennedy has used their name to get their foot in the door or do something. That's right. And so this person is RFK Jr. is running for president. Yes, use the name. 
Use it. It's yours. Yeah, that, that's why I put the ads on. I didn't put the RFK on, but under the Super Bowl, I put the ads. That that was one of the the ones, you know. And, and yeah, that can't not that can't not hit you and make you feel some type of way seeing that, whether you love the Kennedys or don't love the Kennedys. Right. That can't not you know hit you. I thought it was, I thought it was a brilliant move. Yeah. Um. And and the thing is, is nobody else could pull it off because. I wonder if we're going to actually see a resurgence. And I'm trying to think about that for my own campaign. It's like, I wonder if there's we could see a resurgence of mimicking old school campaign ads because the jingle was cool. The music was like old timey. It was a nostalgia. I think, mm-hmm. I think it, even if it wasn't the Kennedys, just by using the old 1960s blueprint of a campaign ad is brilliant. It's, it's yeah. just so it's cool. smart because we do have this classic nostalgia you know connection to the past and mm-hmm. honestly just that's, the, that was a big part of trump's campaign make america great again a lot of people are like again what it's always been a problem for me you know or, or my right. family or this or that but that, the nostalgia hits that, that's that's pulled from reagan right yes yeah so i mean that's the nostalgia hits again and um and i think actually reagan pulled that from somebody if i'm not mistaken as well this um, is what they do. This is what they do. It's just, I mean, and here, the other thing I really liked about the ad is the amount of times it said Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> the whole this, the whole song was Kennedy, mm-hmm. Kennedy, Kennedy. And I was like, it's just great. Yeah. It's just absolutely great. Okay. No, I agree. I agree. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I'm not, I am, I'm just talking about the ad. I'm not talking yeah, about the- Yeah, we're not saying we endorse, we're voting for. It's not about that. Yes, exactly. So guys, calm down, please. <laughs> um all right, let's move off of all of that stuff. Let's talk about Trump's order to pay uh, the New York judgment of uh, $352 million, and he's not allowed to do business in New York for three years, and his sons have to pay $4 million apiece, and they're not allowed to do business in New York for two years. Thoughts, sir? Well, this one just hit, so I, I put it on here late. Um, it looked like, you know, the state AG brought this case Judge found him guilty. Now it's about damages. It's like bank fraud and uh, inflating, right? Talking about inflation, inflating the value of your holdings, your properties to get bank loans. Um, I don't deny that. That I, I I would highly doubt that this didn't happen, right? Like Trump's out there saying, you know, this is political. But no, you and probably other. Um, high-rise owners, you know, people in that thousand percent top-notch commercial real estate. Yep, you do. Y'all are hustling. You guys are hustling. You lie, you deal. You know, you're selling a product, right? So right. if I and you're you're making promises, and the bank's going to make money off you if you if you do pay it back. I think a part of this is not that he didn't pay it back. I think it's just you you committed fraud. You know, right? And so. There are consequences. And uh, where they said with prejudgment interest, this is actually like a $450 million uh, thing. And then, like you said, he can't conduct, he can't be licensed or conduct business for three years, I think, in New York. Right. That's a big deal. I mean, this guy's a businessman first. I think a big part of his campaign has been business, you know, right. keeping business rolling. Right. So um, good. I'm, I'm glad he got hit. I'm glad people get to see that, that there's some consequences for. Uh, those of us who have some money, because right now when you talk about the two-tier justice system, 
you know, that's a big gripe of, of Americans is, hey, I can't lie to a bank. You know, I can't uh, I can't drive through a red light. You know, I can't you know, if I do something wrong, I'm going to get hit for it criminally or civilly, as should the top level of the country. OK, so I'm not going to defend Trump in any means, but I do want to uh, say a couple of things about this uh, judgment. Uh, first of all, you know, in, he, he did pay it back. But, you know, fraud is fraud. And, and, and it's, OK, fine. That's great. We all we all know that. And look, let's just be very clear before you anybody thinks I'm defending Trump is Trump's a piece of shit. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> and 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 yeah, we're we're not going to be we're trying to not get him uh, elected to president for a second term. But with that said, um, my problem with this judgment is that it is so blatant. Look, how did this happen? He didn't just walk into a bank with a, with a number written on the back of a napkin and said, hey, this is how much my condo's worth or my apartment's worth or my properties are worth. And they said, oh, okay, Mr. Trump, that looks like a good number. And it's just a scra- scratch and fucking, um, you know, a crayon. No, he had a process of people going to these properties and he says they're, they're worth this month and then they were, were worth this much. They then had a um, person evaluating that. Uh, and then signing off on that and going to the bank and the bank then saw that and then approved that and then gave loans to that. So I think gave him cheaper loans or something like that. <clears throat> exactly. For whatever the, the, the value of these properties were, uh, allegedly, or actually it's the, the inflated value. Oh, yeah. It's not even alleged yeah, it's anymore. Not alleged, yeah. <laughs> so so there is a systemic issue here. It's not just Trump said I wrote a piece of uh, I wrote a number on a on a napkin and then a bank gave me a loan. This is a there's a, a people who do evaluate evaluations of properties. They signed off of it. Uh, the bank signed off on it. There's a whole construct and system of people that are participatory in this, and so therefore this judgment was yes against Trump and what he did does nothing to do to fix the system. No. This is happening rampantly. This is not a one-off. This isn't like, oh, well, Donald Trump did this. I can't believe he got a, got away for it so long. Good thing we caught him. Everybody else is doing good. No, all of New York real estate is probably like this. And so you didn't fix the system. You uh, Now he's getting charged uh, $352 million for it, and nothing changes. Nothing changes besides the action towards Trump. I think that's wrong. Do you think that? Do you think they're looking at other people? Maybe you, Trump is the first one. Maybe Letitia James is going after all, all kinds of people now. But there's a systemic issue, and that systemic issue has now been proven to be there for decades. Well, decades. yeah, I mean, one thing that that also gets brought to to mind when you start talking about lending lending kind of manipulations of the system is like redlining, you know, like it started a hundred years ago or whatever. You know, some people are <clears throat> allowed to get loans, and other people aren't. You know, and for what? You know, for what? It doesn't seem like a fair or equal system. Matter of fact, it seems racist, you know. So uh, the the I don't know enough about the banking industry and and uh, it's not, you don't, you don't, and you don't need to loans, know. commercial real estate loans and all that. But I I tend to agree with everything you said. I don't know. You don't have to understand. So you're trying to tell me that the, this it's just, I think it's just common sense. One dude was able to do this repeatedly and then nobody else is doing this. There's a systemic issue. Does this fix this systemic issue? I don't think it does. The second thing is, um, and, and, and it's not that I, and again, I just want to make, make it really clear. It's not that I'm saying that he didn't deserve this. I, what I'm trying to say is that I'm sick of judgments and laws not fixing the issue. It's kind of like when, 
this is going to be an unpopular opinion. When Joe Biden said, I'm going to forgive student loans for X amount of people, that does not that does not fix uh, higher education, gouging people and education affordability and flexible loans, uh, rate loans for uh, students that they don't know what they're signing off for or loans that are just egregious in in interest rates you know it doesn't fix any of that it just says hey we're gonna do this therefore problems fixed no the problem Not still exists yeah. And yeah, so it's only getting bigger. And it's only getting bigger. So don't don't do this and think that you won. You did yeah. not do anything for the bigger picture. Yeah. You did it for this one case, this one specific instance, and that's it. And it really makes me mad that that we think that this ends things. And we do this in in in, in policy, we do this in bills, we do this in in law enforcement, we do this with um it, all kinds of different issues. It, it drives me crazy. Second thing. Do you think it's morally okay? And this is my this is an issue I have. For a sentence to be, you can't do business, because saying I can't do business means I cannot do the thing that I put food on my table. What do you think about that? That's kind of like saying, wow. that's kind of like saying I have, oh, actually, I might, I might have just um, negated my own question. I, think, I was just going to say, I think <laughs> your two points are related. I think your two points are related because part of systemically fixing something, I don't think this issue is fixed. But there's a guy out there, there's a guy out there. There's a, in commercial real estate uh, in New York or in any state, Chicago, whatever. Uh, that's the city. But there, there, who's who's Gaff? You're 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 too old. <laughs> too old. You're too old, Ross. No, no, but there's there's a, a commercial real estate entrepreneur out there who's not inflating, not trying to scam the bank because he you know he knows that there is a consequence. And then there's other people like they'll never. They'll never prosecute me. I got to do what I got to yeah, do. Put that mic in front of your face, too. I got to do what I got to do. I'm going to do what I got to do. You know, and so I think your two points are related. You know, um, civil judgments do deter some folk. You know what I mean? They do. This is a $450 million thing. It might. I don't think so because I think Trump is a capitalist animal. It might deter Trump or Don Jr. or something in the future. It's like, well, we end up getting hit for the full amount plus prejudgment interest. We gotta, we gotta nudge our practices. We gotta nudge our practices. So I do think that you wanna cut it off at the head so that you know it never happens. But um there's some form of the judgment will deter some, but you're right, it's still going on everywhere, you know. And then the student loan thing about doing that in the back end instead of taking care of it on the front end is cutting this thing off the head. Exactly right. We want to fix our systems so that we're flowing morally, you know, and, and what, and everybody wins, everybody wins systems if that's possible. Right. Right. You think it's hot in here? Yeah, it's a little hot. All right. Hold up. Hold up. (laughs) All right. So the window is cracked. We are going to get some cold air in here. It's getting a little hot in here. Um, Have we finished that talk with Trump and, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm glad he got hit. I, I assume he was doing it. I assume he was uh, manipulating manipulating amounts. Uh, I do think civil judgments do deter some behavior. Not enough. We do need to fix <clears throat> fix these lending systems and the, and the game players. We have a new bipartisan spending bill that passed the Senate. Um, let's read what's in it, and then we could talk about these different things. If you want to stop me, just stop me in the middle of, of me reading them if you want to talk about any of them uh, individually. But so this is a um, $118.28 billion national security supplemental package, 
and it includes $60 billion to Ukraine to fight back against Putin's bloody invasion, $14.1 billion for security assistance to Israel, $2.4 billion to uh, U.S. Central Command to address combat expenditures in the Red Sea, $10 billion in humanitarian assistance, uh, food, water, shelter, medical care to Gaza, West Bank, Ukraine, and so on and so forth, $4.8 billion to the Indo-Pacific to deter aggression from China, $2.3 billion uh, to support Ukrainians that are displaced by the war, $20.2 billion to expand um, the capabilities in the border, the U.S. border, that is, uh, fentanyl education and narcotics deterrence, um, and $400 million for the nonprofit security grant program. What are your thoughts, Ross? Uh, I think this is what's getting people's blood really boiling in this moment. I th- is your blood boiling? Uh, I try and stay well. I mean, it is a little warm in here. So. No, no, it's nice now. Uh, well, I, I just think that um, for people that scan it, um, that's great. You may think that the, well, the way you just read it is an itemized auditing or an itemized accounting. But for me, you know, you got to think more about what the words are that they put on the paper. And a lot of that is billions of dollars for guns, missiles, uh, flight bombers, you know, whatever you will. What uh, uh, X amount of million to this contractor, this defense contractor, X amount of million to that defense contractor. You know, do I like the humanitarian 10 million that I, I heard you read off? I love it. Do I wish that we needed that humanitarian expenditure? Of course, you wish you needed to spend zero dollars. And so we are in the war economy, you know, we are, which is to me horrible as a taxpayer. I don't feel, um, I don't feel my securities at risk or necessary. You need to use my dollars to buy so many guns, right? Let's say the, the easiest uh, classification of a lot of those spendings is guns. I know it's a lot more complex than that, but that's the thing. It's our tax dollars. Lay it all out better than the auditing that you just, or the, the itemized listing that you just read off. This is the actual Washington DC website and layout of the bill. I know that this is going to go to, you know, who Boeing and some of these, uh, you know, things that sell military, military expenditures and this is what me and a lot of my neighbors are sick of our tax dollars going toward is the military world you know not east palestine not hawaii you know things like that and so we've harped on this numerous times um yeah i i hate it i hate it that's my thoughts (laughs) okay but what what exactly do you just hate that it's going to um I guess, uh, military contracts. It's it's twofold. Yeah. I mean, you could say I'm a pacifist, right? I I hate that it's going toward people that, that make and sell weapons to whether it be Ukraine or Israel or Red Sea or whoever these parties are. I hate that. And then I hate the, the lack of transparency. So you reading that it may give, that's what I'm saying about people that scan it. You may think, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm getting told what I'm getting told what we're spending it on. No, the Pentagon fails audits. This is not an itemized accounting of what a hundred and some billion dollars is really going to it. These are very, 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 very generic categories, you know, and you're continuing one war, you're continuing two wars, you could say, to then put more money toward the humanitarian, you know, side of it, but a much less, much less amounts, 
much less amounts to the food, water, shelter, you know. And so another thing I think that those top end expenditures are going toward are the salaries of bureaucrats, you know, whether they're in this country or Ukraine or whatever the case may be. I want to know where the 60 billion and the 110 billion is going. I want a full, give me a full freaking list. Give me a Bible, you know, something like that. And so those are my two thoughts. I have many thoughts, obviously, <laughs> um, uh, but I'm going to agree with your last thought as well, and I'm gonna, I just want to uh, ride those coattails a little bit. Um, we not only, first of all, I don't like how all of these different things are in one bill, right? Omnibus, I, yeah. I, I don't like how we're talking about the border at the same time as uh, Ukraine assistance. That is- It's two separate things. They're two separate things. I think it's disingenuous. I think that it's- Really, it's really hard to have a debate about our border if we're saying that then that's tied to Ukraine or vice versa. It's it's not right. Um, it's just not right. Yeah, I think it's, good it's, point. It's, I forgot about that because I, I completely agree with that and I thought about it like that as well. It's a form of corruption, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, the second one is is we keep saying that things cost x amount of money it's like we need 60 billion to do this we need 100 billion to do this and you're right there's no auditing with how much you're spending and stuff look we weren't even able to negotiate medical i'm sorry medicine prices until recently and so those prices weren't negotiated are we getting the best price for any of this stuff or are these just uh super inflated price that is coming from the taxpayer you know pocket that is just a made-up number at some point it's like this costs a hundred billion kajillion dollars. Why? Because we say so, and we're not allowed to negotiate that. And we did that with medicine, insulin even, a hundred plus year old technology that we weren't allowed to negotiate that should cost pennies. Um, and so that's the different thing. That's one thing we are not doing. And I think Congress is completely dropping the ball of the power of the purse and the responsibilities, but not auditing and making sure that one of the best things that I heard come out of you know the past couple of years is we need to do a zero based budgeting and if I got it right this is what I think it means it means stripping everything down to zero renegotiating building building back all the institutions and uh, the spending that we need uh, and renegotiating all the prices we do it all the time in our in our in our homes in our businesses and, and what have you if the price goes high then we go hey do we really need that or can I negotiate a, a better price? And we're not doing that, it seems, with government because nobody in Congress is looking at that. They're just looking at, like, oh, 60 billion, that sounds about right. You know, this congressman, this uh, senator puts their bits and pieces in there and it balloons to $60 billion. And nobody asks, exactly what you just asked, what do we spend that on? All right. And how much does this thing that we're spending on, does it, does it actually cost? And are you giving me three price codes? Well, I remember when I worked in a, you know, corporate, you need to come back with three different quotes from three different suppliers and, and it justify the cost. So even if they were different, is this better quality? Is it lower quality? Is it who, and how would you, and you can't have a conflict of interest. They would say, hey, isn't that your cousin's company? Doesn't your brother's sister's friend work there? Yeah, you can't do that. Your brother's sister's friend would be actually my sister. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I caught that. Um, so that's my first thing is, is it's like our spending... I think that the American people are always told that we can't... Okay, I think that one of the biggest talking points for Republicans is that we can't afford this because we have no money. But the, the, I think the realistic aspect of it is we don't know what we actually can afford because we actually don't know how much things actually cost. 
right? Oh, absolutely. So the United States has brought in $4.4 trillion, $4.4 trillion in revenue, right, in 2023. And it spent $6.13 trillion, which is a $1.7 trillion deficit. Do we know, and everybody's like, oh, cut Social Security, cut Medicare, cut this, that, and the other thing. Do we actually know we need to cut? Because we actually don't know what anything costs. I think that's the first thing. If you say cut this, it, here, let, me, let me put this in an example, something I was thinking about. Tell me if you agree with me, Ross. Let's just say you make $10,000 a month, right? It's good, it's good, good salary. It's very good salary. It's very good salary. But I'm going to use that because right, it's a round, right. yeah, round, round number. number. Yeah. $10,000 a month. But you spend $12,000 a month. But you have every subscription package. You buy Whole Foods, uh, you know, um, organic, blah, 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 all the all this stuff. You drive two brand new cars. You have all the insurance. You go on vacations. And somebody says, and you say, I'm broke. I spend $2,000 every month over my thing, over my budget, right? And somebody just says, hey, you can get the same eggs from Costco. They're organic too, right? You don't need to go to Whole Foods. You can go to Costco, like, and that saves you. I completely agree. That saves you three, $3 a, a dozen, mm-hmm. right? Or you, do you really need um, HBO and and Disney Plus and, and Apple TV Plus yeah. and Netflix and Amazon now that they're charging an extra three <clears> bucks because reasons, you know, and Hulu and Paramount Plus and, you know, Tubi <laughs> and, 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 you know, and so then they say, well, let's, re- let's, let's consolidate that, you know? And so, but at the end of all of that, and I don't know if anybody's actually doing that with the United States government. No, or, no way. I highly doubt it. And I, I, highly I highly doubt, doubt it. it. I highly doubt and it. And I think that's the problem. Before we even say, let's look at what we're paying for, what we're getting for the cost, and if we can get some price comparisons to do the exact same thing, we're saying, cut Social Security, cut <laughs> Medicare, the people are on the dole. What are you talking about? We didn't even know how much the things cost. We weren't even allowed to negotiate drug prices until a couple of years ago. And so I think that that is wrong. And, this, and again, it's our money. So if we benefit from Social Security and, and Medicaid, right, or, or whatever, the, whatever the programs are, public school, if we benefit from that, great. What people are saying is, hey, whoa, the chickens are going to come home to roost if you continue to fund and start these wars everywhere. You know, and, and it's like, what do, what do I get out of that? What do I get? And it's like, oh, it's security. We have interest. Blah. People aren't buying that. People aren't buying that. You know, that's not tangible. That's bullshit, you know. And so you're going to cut people's stuff, you know, then complain that you got nothing to do with inflation, blah, 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 blah. You're taking money out of, you know, April 15th is coming, ladies and gentlemen. Itemize your shit, you know. Itemize how much they're taking out of your paychecks. And again, it's going to Boeing. It's going to Ukraine. It's going to the Red Sea. It's, I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. People got elderly folk in their family and young kids to raise. And I think that this is what's where the American people is at. here's, Here's what I know about the American people. I believe that the American people want to help, you know, uh, countries protect itself. The world, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wants to uh, um, protect us Mm -hmm. and the world and our allies and humanitarian aid. It's just very hard for the American people to continue to justify $118 billion being 
given to other places when we're talking about $2 billion for a new stadium with a roof on it, <laughs> when that money should be going to different neighborhoods within, our, within Cleveland, when we're talking about uh, $1 billion for a new jail, when that money could be going for infrastructure, infrastructure yep. in, in, in Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, and roads. we're just in roads and, Bridges, and jobs. And, jobs. And, and imagine if we said we allocated, imagine if, if instead of saying we're going to build a new jail, they said we're going to continue the taxes the same way and we're going to take that money and allocate it to have startups in East Cleveland, startups in uh, different neighborhoods, Collinwood, Glenville, so on and so forth, West Park. Um, And we said, we're just going to say, you can have an interest-free loan, start a business, or we're going to buy all this property, redo all of this property, and have property for people to move in and start their businesses. No rent for 10 years, start your business, which revive these, these, these neighborhoods. I bet it wouldn't even cost a fraction of that money. First of all, Thank you. Everything you're saying is exactly right. You know, the other part about, but to get to the very first part of what you said, <clears throat> the American people are down with wanting wellness for everybody in the world, Ukraine, right. Russia, whatever the case may be that, that people are starting to question, right? Well, are you really supporting Ukraine by doing this? Are you supporting the connected group of bureaucrats in Ukraine, just the people who like to buy, be involved in the military and buy guns? You know, I bet there's a lot of Ukrainians that are pacifists. They're just like, I want to get the fuck out of here, you know, and there is some money in the bill for that. There is some money in the bill for that. But again, you start wars, whether, whether the side is, is, was technically the side to start it or not if you continue wars i I guess i'm not not using the right words but you know if you further a war escalate a war you know at some point you both sides got to lay down arms at some point at some point and it doesn't seem like we have a president or an opposing candidate or anybody in the senate that understands that you know it doesn't seem like that's on the table you know like hey well let's try and support ukraine by figuring out how to support Ukraine. Right. Just throw more into the war and we'll throw a small fraction into humanitarian relief. And so, exactly, I think you're right. I think Americans want a wellness for all the world's people, but, you know, we're involved in two groups' wars, the Putin group and the Ukraine group. And it's like, I don't think that Russians, I don't think that you know, Russians that work at their McDonald's is like, I think they might even shut down McDonald's in Russia because of, you know, corporate interests and all that. But whatever the case may be, regular Russians who are disconnected to the power structure, right. regular Ukrainians that are disconnected to Zelensky, you know what I mean? We don't know that we're helping them, you right. know? And, right. and, and so, yeah. Can I, I, also, I, can I also point out the hypocrisy that we're giving money for war and then giving money to humanitarian aid for the people in the war at the same time? Exactly. Exactly. That that's exactly what I thought when I saw this. This is exactly what I thought. So uh, there's a lot of backwardsness. There's a lot of backwardsness from at the top of the structures and the war economy. So I it that's the bill looks illegal to me. It looks corrupt. It looks um I liked uh, what you said about omnibus. It's to, there's numerous separate things in this bill. It's like give them their own thing. Give, give them their own thing, and you know it's honestly immoral to be bu- buying bombs at the same time as buying humanitarian aid. Yes, and I, I think it's just, it's just double speak. It's, uh, it, it's, it's not right. It's not right. I, and I don't know how else to say it. It's Preach. just not. It's just not right. Not right. And um, I, I'm just, and I think the American people are just getting sick of this. Yes, a lot, just a lot of different things, and we're. It's not that we don't. 
And I, I just want to say this. I, some people that are either neocons or, you know, very much up on national security or, or, you know, and they talk to me and they go, well, you know, we have to, you know, protect our American interests and our allies and, and these threats. And I agree. But it's, it, and it's not that nobody that wants to talk about this. And that's another thing that we're having, in, I think, in these conversations these days is that talking about it means that we are against something. Nope. It's not that means we're against something. It means that we so also figure things out. We also have different interests that we are not getting fulfilled at the same time or things that we think should take priority right now that we have to fulfill those first. And by talking about that doesn't mean that we are pro-Putin. No. Right. No, it means that what about this stuff over here too? Right. right? Can we be pro Cleveland? Can we? Right. <laughs> exactly. I'm not pro Zelensky. I'm not pro Putin. I am pro the people that live within one mile radius of me. <laughs> one thousand, thousand percent. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, Alexei Navalny. He uh, he died in air quotes uh, yesterday or two days ago. Um, let's not touch on this too much but what do, you, what do you think what's your initial thoughts well I you I think you threw this on because I think he died yesterday I don't you know it's tough to talk about Russian politics apparently he's been Putin's main opponent imprisoned you know died at a young age here under 50 years old yeah, I think he's 47 so I don't you know, again, That's three years for me. So we're in a country where the news is, you know, Fox, CNN, and the New York New York Times and stuff. So I don't really, you know, I don't understand the first half thing that about this. I don't know what's happening. In this I don't think they have democracy in Russia. I kind of have a big question on if we have democracy here in here in the United States. I think it's a buzzword kind of. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't. I couldn't pick this guy out of a lineup. I don't. You know. I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> well, I mean, I think everybody's is saying, and I think I will say that he was killed in custody uh, by uh, Putin or some Russian authority. I mean, he was already attempted. There was already been attempts on his life. Uh, obviously, he was jailed for 19 years. Uh, for, was it that long? I think wow. it was. I think it was 19 years for. Um, I can't remember what the charge was. It was like start. It was like extremism or something, or starting an. In, in, they probably call him a domestic terrorist. Yeah, anti free speech laws. Any anyway. <laughs> Anyway, it, 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 I think it's pretty apparent what happened here. Let's move on. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that'll be a good topic for next week and once we get some more information out about it. Yeah, I think so. Um, let me see here. Euclid Beach Mobile. Let's go local. We're going to local. Euclid Beach Mobile Home situation. Uh, something that I think that you're paying a lot more close attention to than I am. What's this situation about? What's the history and the situation currently? Well, I mean, it, it's on the other side of town. It's in Collinwood, uh, east east side of Cleveland, uh, on the water, and it's a a piece of property that where a bunch of mobile homes are, and like a bunch right of, on the lake. Uh, pr yeah, pretty close to right on the lake. Mm -hmm. I don't. Again, I I've never even been there. I've driven past it a few times, but yes, it's extremely close to the lake, and uh, whoever did own the property sold it to a local nonprofit and the local nonprofit is like, a you know, basically there's a federal program. There's a process that's like, you guys, y'all can't stay here. You know, here's, here's some money. You got to get out. We're doing what we want with this land. It's our land. Now we bought it. And again, this is a local nonprofit. So you like to think of nonprofits as kind of working 
for, on the benefits of people. And you hear, you know, all of our government leaders pretty much at all levels and both parties like to talk about affordable housing, affordable housing, affordable housing. You can't get more affordable than a mobile home. You know what I mean? This is where I live. It's not expensive. It's affordable. <clears throat> but they've now told some of our poorest residents who have a roof over the head, can't stay here. Can't stay here. Under the guise of a nonprofit. Now, they do have to uh, adhere to the federal guidelines of a payout. They got to say, this will help you with your your next rent. You know, right. this will help you move. This will help you with your next rent. But these people will have lived there for decades. They've been living there for decades. And it's affordable. And you don't know that. It, it's, it's a hard market out there right now. It's not affordable. So, you know that money might be chump chains, r relatively speaking, in the housing market now as it is in 2024, you know, so, and I think it's always good to put local topics on these lists because what's happening here, something akin to it is happening in Chicago, in San Francisco, in Texas, you know, and all these other places. And so what you had here is a local nonprofit telling, you know, folks that are not flush folks are not flush you we know you got this affordable housing situation we want to turn this into the east side of what edgewater is you know how edgewater is very really nice and it's touristy and people like to come here and have their day and have a picnic right do a podcast well we envision that for we envision that for this water body of water and area on the on the east side, we're going to make it green. We're going to make people want to come have their picnics here. We're going to make it nice. We're going to give it to the metro parks. We're going to make it nice. Get the fuck out. You know? <laughs> and so it it's just, again, it's just kind of backwards, inhuman. Why don't we care enough about our neighbors that are kind of voiceless? You know, so that's why I care about the issue. It, it, it seems wrong. So this was bought, the 28 acres was bought by the Western Reserve Land Conservatory. Apparently, um, Matt Zone, who was a city councilman from uh, Cleveland, um, the... Um, uh, ward 15, your old ward. Yeah, exactly. I, and again, I got I got a Bidenism there. I couldn't think of the yeah, ward right. or the place yeah. I lived in, so... It happens. <laughs> West, it was West 69th over there, <clears throat> and he's the vice president of the Land Conservatory. Um it, Basically, they're telling people, he said that, like, for example, there's a guy that's in this article that you sent over. His trailer is from 1969, and he said that it isn't movable. So they're just going to oh. buy him out and then tear it down. Yes. And everything is everything has gone up. Or is it shrinkflation, Ross? Is it shrinkflation? Are the houses getting smaller and, and they're just kind of... <laughs> I don't know if new Depends. builds are getting smaller. I, I think if you look at some of these studios in New York City, say, how can anybody live in that? Yeah. But in, you know, in Cleveland, it's, it's just like anywhere else. I mean, rent is expensive. Rent is expensive. And these folks were on a uh, fixed income. You know what I mean? There were fixed income folks here. So it was fixed. They, you can't change the situation for fixed income people. And so, uh, you know, some parts of Cleveland have been heavily gentrified. You know, this is an example of, of what can happen when different interests kind of see a, see a town or a, a part of town a certain type of way for the future of it. You're not going to be able to afford to live here. Here, it's like blatantly, you can't stay here. We own your property. You were just renting. You know, get the F out. Right. But, but uh, 
it's it's just affordable housing right now has got to be our main issue. I really think it is. I really think affordable housing is our main so issue. So how, how do we correct that? I mean, so I've been thinking different things. A lot of people are talking about the zoning laws. The, the thing is we have a NIMBY attitude about that. It's like even here in Bay Village, we're talking about, you know, uh, turning some of these commercial areas into mixed use. And people are like, well, we don't want that because of, you know, different reasons. And we're talking about this. There's a uh, old shopping mall over on Clegg over there by the park. Um, and they were saying, hey, why don't we turn that into a mixed use and whatever? And, you know, what multiple, uh, they like, oh, we don't want that. And they were like, we don't want dollar stores. I kind of agree with that. We don't want dollar generals here either. Uh, but it's like, there's this whole thing of like, we don't want multi, you know, multi resident homes or um, apartments right. or whatever in our town. It, we want single family homes because that creates the I guess the identity that we want to associate with here and the people that we want to bring in here and so a lot of a lot of places are like that right and so it's like so how do you combat and make affordable housing because the most affordable housing is uh, apartments you know who does it actually kind of well right now is um not other only, countries no right no no here in northeast ohio i think that uh rocky river actually does a good okay. job because there are a lot of apartments mm -hmm. I, mean, I just i just saw a, an email yep, today I have a good friend that currently lives on been living on for a while i mean they caught i mean depending on what your income is but they cost you know under a hundred thousand dollars i mean yes you have hoas and you know property taxes still but i mean they're under a hundred thousand dollars for an apartment in rocky river the school's like a condo well i mean an apartment yeah. a condo whatever you want to call it well, it's a, if you have HOA fees, that's more of a condo. Yeah, You're okay. Part, yeah, you know. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. sure. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, lawyer. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that another Bidenism I have? I'm too old. I'm no, too no, old. no, no, but, but you're right. I, what I was referring to in my friend Rocky River is an apartment, an affordable apartment. You know? Right. And so they're there. You're right. They're, they're, they are there. And that was because of mixed use. Yeah. I mean, so, and, I, and a lot of people don't even think of, you know, Rocky River having uh, affordable housing, but they, they, they do. do. Mm -hmm. And then you can go to schools there. And so, but they did it. I don't know how much they allow new builds. I know Westlake is very much for new builds and uh, apartments and so on and so forth. Their apartments aren't the cheapest, though, because people are building new builds and they're building the condos slash apartments at two hundred thousand um, dollars. So, what is the solution? Oh man, I don't know. Besides, I mean, I do think you should have uh, rent caps for um, like grandfathered in folks. You know what I mean? Like where you used to live. That, that area, you know, you've got 70-year-olds who've lived there their whole lives. Right. And now, uh, you know, you have a tax-abated property right next to it, meaning the value of your property goes up, meaning the taxes on your, you know, your yearly taxes go up, your bi biannual taxes go up. You know? Right. And so <clears throat> I do think that's one answer. Now, that doesn't solve, you know, population increase and new, you know, new demand, things like that. But I, I certainly think at a minimum... We've got to protect our elderly folks that are on fixed incomes. And this example we put on the sheet is the exact opposite of that. And like everybody in Cleveland always runs on affordable housing. They're nowhere to be found during this crisis, during this controversy, you know. And so that's I don't I can't fix fix the whole whole affordable housing market. But again, you do not want to take somebody who can't afford this amount and then triple their taxes over the course of a, you know what I mean? 100%. You can't do that. You yeah. just can't do that. hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know because I mean, you're going to have a lot of people in the city councils, you know, they got to get elected by the people. So you're not going to get a lot of this passed. And some, most of the time, or a lot of times it's up to the voters anyway. So it goes to a levy change or uh, a, um, what is it? A city zoning change. And that goes onto the ballot. 
And so you just have a, a, a lot of like not in my backyard attitude. And so it's like, <clears throat> I, I would love to see more, um, you know, duplexes or, or there's a property over here that hasn't been built yet. I mean, I would love to see a duplex built there. I mean, there's no reason why you, why yeah. you couldn't have a duplex built there. Um, but and, and, and a lot of people always say like, oh, well, it changed the look, you know, but. I, I love the look of uh, the places down in, say, Lakewood, right. the duplex in Lakewood. I, th I think that's so cool. Oh, Lakewood's the best. It's, it's a great-looking place, you know? Great. And there's yeah. so many different ways to do duplexes, <laughs> yeah. like back and front, up and Lake, down, side Lakewood by side. Lakewood is so well-developed. Lakewood is so great. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of diversity of build. There's a lot of diversity of, of build. build. Right. Yeah, exactly, a along with people. But, um, yeah, you—, you, you you need affordable housing. You need diversity of build. The Jane Jacobs type of city. Well, it also goes to the to the uh, you know the, the market as well. I mean, in the developers, it's like there's nothing better than building a duplex as a say a, a renter or, or, or I'm sorry a landlord. You know, it's like if I'm gonna have a new build, I can pay you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a single family or pretty much the same. Besides some you know let's call it three seven two seventy five or maybe three for a duplex. Right. The ROI on that is way better. Insane, yeah. You know, so it's like. It's like that also incentivizes people to invest in properties and build in properties and so on and so forth because you have that built-in ROI for the you know the cost of, of building it. So it, it just seems like a dumb move for a lot of people not to a lot of towns not to be doing that and allowing that. And it's just I, I think it's a epidemic, you know. Of it is currently an epidemic in America for sure. For that's completely correct. Yes. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to pick your brain about something that I've been working on, and I usually don't like to. Put out like uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we're, we're gonna spit, spit, spit all this one. Um, school vouchers, and here's another thing I've been playing with, uh, you know, just for conversation. Uh, the school voucher program, just for everybody who uh, doesn't know about it, is a way for somebody to a family or kids to opt out of going to their public school, and then that tax revenue or that tax dollars being applied to a private school. Right. So my kid goes to school here. I hate the public school. I'm going to take that. Let's just call it eight thousand dollars. I don't know what it is, honestly, but it's, just, it's thousands of dollars. I can apply that to a private school where I want my kid to go to get, of course, their education or what I feel is the better education. Of course, I think that's bad. I think that's bad. However, what do you think of the idea of a public school voucher program? Where you can take your kid for there's two three things I want to I want to ask you about with this one. Number one, um, for example, Bay has a great school system. Everybody knows it. So does Solon. What what do you think that'll be appropriate for say Bay to say hey have to report every year this is my capacity of for my schools say high school is twelve hundred kids we have one thousand kids enrolled we are allowed to accept another 200 kids. And then people can apply to base schools from all over the state if they want to and have that voucher be transferred or that tax revenue be transferred to Bay or to Solon or to Rocky River or to Westlake or whatever and create the, um, I guess, the movement of students around, but in the public school system, right? Not taking it to private, but in the public school system. That's my first question. The second one is, is, um, no, that's my question. Well, I not a public education or voucher expert by any means. <clears throat> My first question with that, right? I'm going to answer with a question: Is well, how are we going to deal with transportation? You know, so not our problem. <laughs> but I mean, in other words, then it becomes kind of for 
the privilege, right? In the city of Cleveland, a quarter of a quarter or more, it might even be up toward 33% now of folks don't own a car. You know, now that's city of Cleveland. So I like the general idea of what you're saying, but you could still be priced out of getting to Bay or getting to Solon or the, things like this. So Okay, so right, right. And I understand that. But just because you are um, not able to get to Bay doesn't mean that if you are in, uh, say, Bedford Heights, that you couldn't pop over to Solon. Or Solon maybe wants to go to Twinsburg or Twinsburg to Solon. Well, that's two different counties. Uh, but it's actually a state. We're talking about a state. Twinsburg to Solon or, um, you know, Westlake to Fairview or Fairview to Bay. Uh, so it's like you're... We, it's just a movement. It brings of, more possibilities, more ch- more choice, but among public schools. It, exactly, and then yeah. there's special specializations within these different schools. For example, there I, is I don't campus I don't, international. There are specialty public schools. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't, well, again, again, I don't know. Bay has a great soccer team. Maybe there's a good soccer player, mm-hmm. a soccer player in in Fairview Park yep. that wants to go to go to Bay, and so they're going to go to Bay because of their soccer program or or chess or AP classes or whatever. And so you're just like saying like, you know what, I, I, I want to go to Bay, and then if you can have that voucher, you have a an application as well. So it's like the biggest thing that everybody says is it's like, well, we moved here because we don't want those kind of people or those kind of kids going to these schools. That's why I moved into the good school system. And if you do this, you're going to open it up to all of those people. But there's an application process, right? And and to be honest with you, what's the difference between a good academic performer in Bay than a, a good academic performer in Collinwood? They're both good academic performers. So if somebody applies and they have the the meet the criteria to go there and they're good academic performers, why can't they go to Bay? I, I mean, I just the the concept, right, of like the, those that that's just so it just upsets me so much. Oh yeah, I, I, but but it is true. They say that. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Those people got to get their heads on straight. <laughs> but it is the conversation that, that is the conversation that, that is why people move to good school systems good and say, school. Yeah, yeah. right? And they go, well, that, I'm in this school because I don't want that stuff that's happening I don't want over to be there. In this public school district, or right? Something I don't, like I don't that. want, I don't yeah. want the problems that are happening happening over there, right? So they move I over think, here. I think, I think the first question, I, I don't mind traversing municipalities. I had no problem with that. I actually think it's a good, fair idea, hmm. but. Right now in Ohio, you know, the first problem, before you would put in place something like that, the first problem is, again, people like my taxes going to parents that can't afford a private school, you know, still taking the 8000 voucher if it's, eight, you know, and like, okay, now I got 8000 and I'm, you know, sending my kid because my kid goes to this private school. Well, that that was meant for public school dollars you know what i mean and right. then now you even you have more siphoning of this with charter schools you know so well charter private uh, that's one i'm just looping looping them all right there. right yeah. it's just it it's so broken in the first place uh i think to answer your question i'm for if you live in um cleveland heights but you want to send your kid to cleveland or vice versa right if you live in cleveland and you want to send your kid to cleveland heights these are two different municipalities you should be able to that's that that's my thought on it but in terms of how am I going to go about funding this process, and again, like the transportation, public, like when I pay for public school, I'm also paying for the the yellow buses. You know what I mean? Things like this. So, uh, I think the transportation is is 
well, kind of the issue there. You might you'd have to drive to a different spot, I guess, if you wanted your kid to go to Cleveland or something like that. I don't think that's an issue because I think that that's just part of the equation. Like, look, if you want your kid to go there, you got to figure out how to get them get them there. It's like some personal responsibility has to be there. Also, I do believe that there's some kind of there's market forces that uh, you know if schools have to compete, public schools as well have to compete, in, you know, for those people. It's not just the city, but it's also the school system and with an extra 200 kids going to, say, uh, Bay and the extra revenue coming from tax dollars, that does a lot of good for the school as well, for teachers, teacher salaries, for extracurricular programs, and so on and so forth. So I'm going to continue to have good, you know, this good school system to attract other people to, to come here. I think that that's a positive thing as well. Um, but I, don't, I just don't think transportation is something that should be concerned about because some responsibility has to be on to, uh, you know, like, hey, you're going to change school systems. Another thing that I always think about is, is I think that's unfair, especially in the public school system, especially in, if we're talking about just in the state, no matter where it is, is, is divorced families, you know? And so you have a, you know, parents that get divorced, dad moves here, mom moves there, somebody keeps the house, somebody doesn't, the kids stay at one place, next you know they're out of their school system because dad moved across the border, or moved across the train tracks. That sucks. Well, I mean, I... I don't know about the addresses and you know who's got uh, custody and all that, but it, you would think if you have one parent in the district, that wouldn't be an issue. I would think that. I don't know. I don't have any experience in this whatsoever. You know, I, I don't know how it works. But, but I mean, it does happen all the time where kids move and it's like, why can't I go to that school? Well, you're not in that school system anymore. What? Well, but it, uh, you know, if the kid moves out, that they shouldn't be precluded from, you know, assume. Their old school or their old public school I, I district. Mean, I, I, there should be some kind of again, unless that changed. It was grandfather, right? Exactly. Yeah, Grandfathering. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds nasty. That's oh, you're making me think of weird issues in the future. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, your, your kid's like what? Four months? Yeah, four, three months. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a long way to go for that. Yeah, but no, they, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because again, I you've got a lot to think about. Got yeah, no, because I I keep thinking about this voucher program and I keep thinking about like first of all, I don't want my taxpayer money to go to these private schools and these private schools. I want to keep it public. And That's I want, what I'm saying. That's my 100%. Point. Yeah. But then again, is there some validity to the conversation <laughs> of of I want to use my school, my my kids, my taxpayer money for the schools and have my kid go to the best school possible? And I think that there is validity to that. Well, I, the but, one thing I would say is you being the arbiter of which is the best school is is somewhat laughable. You? The, anybody, anybody saying, I know that um, Kenson is better than Solon or Cleveland Heights Doesn't matter. is better than this that's, one that's school. That's their choice. That's their choice. I'm just saying. It, and also it's the school's product. The, the school's product is to have the best education. And some some schools do great and some schools do not as, as great for many different reasons. Administration, tax revenue, uh, salaries for teachers, many different things. And so there are schools that are higher performers in certain aspects than others. And some some that are uh, – and it all depends on different things. You want to go to school with a good football team? Maybe you want to go to a, oh, a Glenville right now. In, in, yeah, in Cleveland, <laughs> we see that with Ignatius, Eds, and Glenville. I mean, we've seen that for – Time. I'm sure Glenville has kids that isn't re all from just right inside the borders of, you know, Cleveland even, you know, so Cleveland's huge. Glenville's small. Um, you know, Ignatius, they probably come from God knows how far away. God knows how far away. But that's a private school, you know. Right. So um, I'm, I'm assuming if you put a gun to my head, I would assume that there has been a non-Cleveland kid that's played for Glenville. Maybe that's against the Ohio High School Athletic Association's rules. I'm not sure. But um, 
yeah, these are these are complex problems. These are complex issues. Yeah, I want to talk to the uh, I want to talk to the um, OEA or the uh, OFT about this because I think that it'd be an interesting question to ask the teachers and the administrators because I, I don't know like the inner workings of all this, but I don't either. But I think that we, since we are talking about the school voucher program and that this is a thing in in Ohio now and a lot of hundreds of millions of dollars being taken out of public education to go to charter schools and private schools, but. I, I, I am very remiss to say that there's no validity to say that I can't change my school because I live in a certain place. Again, back to back to wow. that back to that question. Hold on, one, one thing, Wes, one thing. To try to sweeten this pot for you a little bit, right? <laughs> I want I want I want to sweeten, sweeten the honey pot, right? Okay, all right, Pooh Bear. Let's uh, Bay Village, Texas. This this house that we bought, uh, what four or five years ago, was uh, was just called two twenty five. Right now, the the price is probably around three hundred because of you know the housing market and, and so on and so forth. Taxes went up from five hundred and fifty mm-hmm. to around six hundred seven hundred dollars a month over here. So we're talking about a ten thousand eight to ten thousand dollar a year t- property tax to to live in Bay to go to the schools to drive on the roads and so on and so forth. If you make forty thousand dollars a year, you are never getting in here because quarter of your quarter of your gross salary is now just to taxes to buy the one of the most affordable houses in the city. Do you think that's right? There is another barrier to entry. So it's like, who's arbiter, arbiter of what's good schools? But now we have a barrier to entry that's baked into the city that says, if you make X, X amount of money, it's almost impossible to afford to live here. Oh, of course. I mean, this is, yeah, this is a, this is a very, very, very nice, you know, I hesitate to say it, but it's a high-end municipality. This is expensive, you know what I mean, compared to the median population, income population. But um, what I... Everything you just said is completely true. I think the the more one worry, right? There's a lot of uh, controversy around this buzzword, the 15 minute city or whatever. I think that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that wherever you're located in this country, including the Hawaii's, Alaskas, and Puerto Ricos of this world, you should have a school that is a good school. Within 15 minutes of where you live. And that's 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 rubbish, Ross. Come on. That's rubbish. I mean, you. I mean, do you have you ever been to like Montana? <laughs> I mean. Oh well, I mean, that's tough when the people live so super far Idaho, away. Idaho, uh, well, Utah. I mean, there's some there's yeah. some big distances. I mean, I mean, I mean that's true. You that's live true. in Georgia County. I yeah, mean, yeah. you don't even live 15 minutes from your school where you grow oh, up. Yeah, probably. I definitely. Oh, did. you did? Yeah, yeah. I and didn't. My public and, and West Geauga public school. Oh, I did. Yeah, no, man. I lived in Munson and had to drive into into Chardon. Okay, yeah. You were over 15 minutes from Munson to Chardon. Yeah. Obviously. Okay. Well, it I think depends. Yeah, it depends. Oh, it depends. Yeah, you're right. Depends. You're right. 100%, 100%. But but I mean, okay. So maybe again, I brought it up because it's a buzzword, but it doesn't have to be 15 minutes. But it it should be. The community, right? Your community should have. And by the way, now we have the internet. Like you talk about uh, fixing the system of 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 uh, inaffordable college. I mean, you should be able to be educated properly, no matter where you live. And it shouldn't be a bur- now. You're right about these places where one house, and that's their choice. The, the choice to live 30 minutes away from the nearest church hospital, maybe more than 30 minutes. Right, you know, right. That's certain people's choice, live on farmland here or there. But if you want to have your kids even walk to school, I, I got a neighbor that just moved, I don't quite know how far away, but you know, not much more than a minute or two drive away, just so that his kids could walk to school. You know, mm. Just so that his kids could walk to school. So, you know, I mean, these are 
dynamic considerations. These are dynamic, but I don't think that if you live in a, um, you know, not, it doesn't have to be Lakewood, but if you live in a somewhat dense area, you should, you should have a school that your kids can be educated on the public dime. You know what I mean? In a certain reasonable realm of distance for you. And maybe a bus that takes you there. Right. <laughs> that just seems to make sense to me. Right. Uh, right. Do we want to hit the Super Bowl or do we want to wrap it up today? We well, have John I mean, Stewart here. We have the Super Bowl. We have um, uh, Monique and um, Shannon Sharp. I mean, at a minimum, we should do the Super Bowl shooting, you know, because that's... Ooh, right. You know, at a, and then maybe end with that. I mean, I... I Right. I mean, it's the could same we, story over and we over. Ha- over. I, I'd rather talk about uh, Travis and Taylor, to be honest with you. Can we, can we end on a high note? I mean, yes, we can. I but, mean, the but, game was a great game. But now, game now that game. I said that, it's like almost like I want to gloss over a, a tragedy. Uh, uh, it, was, it was a tragedy. It's happening everywhere. Right. It happens nonstop. We could talk about another one next week because we're not going to fix that system. Right. You know, you know it's going to happen. Yeah, the Super Bowl only happens once a year. Right. You know, um, I've been to a parade. I was at the Cavs championship parade. There was a... Uh, there was a firearm that went off in public square. Oh, casino. seriously? I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, there was. Yeah, they scattered out of Tower City or whatever. I don't think. Shut I, the front door. I don't think we. It, it wasn't a mass shooting. You know, this, like you see about the news, it didn't make national news. But yes, everybody downtown that day there was like a million people. There was a shooting that day. I mean, this is America. Was There's there a million people downtown it. when the Cavs won the championship yeah. for the parade? Yeah. No. Yes. That's crazy. Oh my gosh! Look up the pictures, man. I mean, I, I knew that, but there was was there actually a million? Well, I mean, you'd have to talk to my my good friend Anthony Lima about that, but some estimates put it at one point three million. Stop. Some estimates. That's yeah. insane. And I was there. I mean, it was body to body. It was row to row. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah, the, the rapids were jam packed for hours on end. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So I didn't know. I didn't we know want that enough. To be having fun. We don't want any shots going off. I mean, it, it is a shame because like what what happened Fourth of July we were doing this podcast and something happened in the Fourth of July parade, mm-hmm. Super Bowl parade. It's almost like, I mean, you go to concerts, you go to it, 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 Nevada right. happened, you know. So it's like anytime that you're going to have fun and get together, somebody's going to be out there going crazy, right? I and hope it, not, but that's what it seems like. And it's almost like you just don't want to. I, I I hope people are thinking about security now for uh, the eclipse then. Because there's gonna be a lot of people in a lot of places. Yeah, you that's know. Indi- that's Guardian. Sorry, Guardian. It's opening home day. Opener. Yeah. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going? Not, not as of now. Was that April eighth or something? Yeah. Like that? No, I don't have tickets or nothing like no, that. No, I'm not going. I went last year to the home opener. Yeah, I've been to was, many. I've been to many. It was freezing. <laughs> I am not doing that. I saw many games last year. I think. I think yeah. I've been. to- Yeah, we got to get to a game this year. Yeah, I think I was. I was well. I think I was at 20 games last year. Nice. And um, and, you know, I always had a good time, but I was just like, I'm, I'm not doing that. So. Taylor and Travis. Let's end on Taylor and Travis. Right. Taylor and Travis. Taylor Swift made it to the Super Bowl from Japan. Everybody was worried that she wasn't going to make it because she was doing a concert in Tokyo. But, you know, when you're a billionaire and have a private jet, you're able to get places pretty damn quick. Um, what, what do you think about all of this that's happening with with that situation and the Super Bowl? And I mean, I'm sure the ratings were the highest they've ever been because of were all they? the Swifties. Uh, I think they were. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, you could look it up. But um, the game was amazing. The commercials were seven million dollars, right, for like a thirty second spot. Like we were talking about the RFK commercial. Um, I mean, it's, 
everything fell in line for the NFL and the Swifties and Kansas City and Travis Kelsey, Cleveland Heights. Second time we've mentioned Cleveland Heights yep. on this podcast today. Cleveland Heights boy, Travis Kelsey, third Super Bowl victory in five years. The guy's a legend. He's dating Taylor Swift, and he's a Cleveland boy. And they do a podcast, but ours is better. But Yes, most watched game ever. Yeah, I'm not surprised because of the the Swifty thing, and the game ended up going to overtime. Like it was a, it was a nail biter. I don't know if you have an interest in it or anything like that, but it was. I, I only care about my Super Bowl squares. I won a couple Super Bowl squares for the first time in a while, but <laughs> I didn't really care. I didn't really care who won. I didn't really care. But it was a great game. It was a great game, and the Swifties are everywhere. And then there's videos of them out in the clubs in Las Vegas and stuff, and it just seems fictional, right? It seems like a Disney a Disney story. So. What what what, do you, what is the first Super Bowl you remember watching? Probably, probably one of those Broncos ones after the Broncos beat the the Browns with John Elway. Yeah, yeah. Probably one of those in the in like the late eighties. Yeah, you know, I same. was I was born in eighty two, so yeah, Broncos Forty Niners. Yeah, eighty nine. I was gonna say eighty nine is probably the first one I really remember. Yeah. Um, and that was seventy three point nine million people watching it. Okay. Um. Guess how many people watched the other day? I'll say five hundred million. Jeez, man. wow. Okay, that's you. That's that's a lot, dude. Uh, I don't know. One hundred twenty-three point seven. Oh, okay, good, but good. It, it doubled. I'm saying okay. that, that, that's, that's good. Yeah, no, like almost every good. year, it's going up and up and yeah. up, and that's absolutely insane. Um, I don't have any really opinion of 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 Taylor and uh, Travis. I just think that it's. I think that we are in a era that sports let me take all this back and it's gonna i'm trying to wrap this up because we've been talking a lot but we haven't haven't seen each other for a couple weeks yes but sports have have has understood how to not only use their self their personal brands the, the the players have have now leveraged their personal brands to become billionaires and now they're u- using and utilizing outside brands and people uh within these games and i think that the nature of the game the nature of the business has totally changed with this i think that we're never ever going to see this is the building this is the building blocks of everything being incorporated with a personal brand and personal brands um, and I and, and I don't think that we're ever going to see another game or sports franchise that doesn't capitalize off of individual fame. Yeah. And and I don't I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how the MLB or the NBA is going to do it. Well, but this has totally changed everything. No, no, I completely agree. I mean, it's so now this weekend is NBA All Star Weekend. <clears throat> I've been to like five or six NBA All Star Weekends. The NBA <laughs> of has. Course I you got have. my I got my wine and gold United from of when I was a Cavs. You, you know, they've always done celebrity well, like partnerships with celebrities well, and turned their players into celebrities. You're right. This NFL thing with they've what they've done is they brought a lot of, I won't speak for the whole group, but they brought a lot of the Taylor Swift audience that might not have had interest, that might not have had interest in this game and playoff run. They've combined audiences. They've combined right. brands. Right. You know, to, to amplify it. Exactly. You know, and so... And they made this drama on the field. Like, made the drama on the field. I, yeah. I don't think that this is natural one bit. Oh, I think it's... Na- you one of these guys thinks the game is fixed? No, no, no. You mean Travis and, and Taylor? 
Oh no, no, I was talking about like the overtime and how good the game was, the drama. Of the I, game. I don't. I, I mean, first of all, with the amount of money that's in there, there's some shenanigans going on. That's what I think. <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking about their relationship. Oh yeah, yeah. That I don't know. I don't speak to whether the how I, they just so happen to get together. I don't really. I don't, I really don't care. But what I'm looking at is this from like a marketing and business perspective. Yeah. Is like the embraces on the field, the yep. the, the kiss here. Like they're everybody's waiting for the scene. It seems WWE. It seems WWE. But it's done. It's done so. It's like they're giving the audience just a little bit at a time that we're all like going like, okay, so what's going to happen? Right. Well, at least not me. I don't care. But, no, yeah, but like a lot, there's a lot of people going like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, you can't stop seeing people tweet about that would never tweet or Instagram story or whatever. So you if, just can't see enough of it. If this is a natural, just like authentic relationship, then wow. But if this is marketing, I have my then doubts. it's fucking brilliant. Right. As far as the couple is concerned, I have my doubts that it's Exactly. Genuine. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now we're on the same page. Yes. We're on the same yes. page. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And so now we have this, again, the Swifties are coming mm-hmm. in. You know, and, and, and the thing is, turning people into stars is not turning people to stars. Yes. You know, you have these personal brands where, you know, this uh, NFL player would now become, say, a movie star and have some roles here or whatever. But it's different now. I mean, Travis is... Travis is now a he's a podcaster. He's a, a he, I, he hosted SNL before the Swift thing, right? I think, and you know that's like a tight end hosting SNL. That's kind of weird. He did he's not well. A quarterback. He did very well. He's a funny guy. Yeah. He you know he's a likable funny guy, which this wouldn't be happening with kind of an inward guy. This wouldn't be happening with that. You right. wouldn't, wouldn't be seeing that happen. You so know? now that people, now I think the NFL is, is knowing like hey, you know, or teams or teams even or looking like. We need to find that outgoing, extrovert, funny, kind of good, charismatic guy that can also play ball. WWE character. Exactly. WWE and turn character. this person into the hook that gets people in there. Sure. And so I'm wondering who the next who the next stars are going to be for the teams. Because, because sorry, Taylor is now a, a Kansas City Chief right. mascot. She is. Oh, for sure. Or, or vice, ver- or vice it's, versa. It's, it's just crazy. So yeah. is it going to be the, the Jay-Z for the Cowboys? Or Could it be, probably yep. would only be for New York. No, no. But, uh, yeah, your, your point's very well taken. This, this is this is eyeballs on eyeballs on eyeballs. Beyonce. Merch, ratings, right. merchandise, everything. Everything. It, Songs, it's free music, advertising, nonstop. All, it, it's just, yeah. it's just, I think the game is changed. It is absolutely changed. And the contracts that we're seeing come out is absolutely changed, too. I mean, we know we already talked about Shohei Otani and his billion dollar yep. contract. That's ridiculous. Um, and so I, I think that, yeah, everything has absolutely changed here. And I don't think that any sports team or franchise or league is going to be able to compete without this anymore. And to be honest with you, I hope the Cleveland Guardians and the Cleveland Browns, actually, screw the Browns, uh, oh. of the Cleveland Guardians <laughs> get on this and figure out how to leverage this kind of star power. Can we get, like, what? Who's a, who's a Cleveland guy? Uh, MGK? Uh, to be to be the now new... Ma- uh, no, uh, is he, like, the Cavs use him? The who's Cavs he, who's he dating? With him. Megan Fox. It was Megan Fox. Yeah, right. So I think he's, yeah. I think he's still... Is he married to her, right? Know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But I mean, I'm a sports that could be a, fan first, second, and third. I get it, but that could be a cool power couple for Cleveland. <laughs> right, no, right, right? No, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Megan Fox is here yeah, at the Guardians the game. Of the yeah, game. Yep. exactly. Yep. You go to them and oh, look at their and whatever. Yes. Oh, and then you have to organize them having a kid and <laughs> complete production. Just one hundred percent. And and that's the thing. And, and the, so, do you think that this cheapens the game? Well, as a sports fan, no. I mean, the game wasn't cheapened. It was a phenomenal game. If I was a Kansas City fan, I'd still be on cloud nine. If I was a 
49ers fan, I'd be super pissed, you know, mad about this and that missed opportunity, looking forward to next year, hoping we re-sign our guys. The sport aspect of it was still as good as ever. You know, it was a great game. It's a great playoff journey for all teams involved, even the Browns. Browns lost by 30. Hopefully next year we go farther. Hopefully next year is the year. You know what I mean? But uh, I don't think it's cheaper. To answer your question, no, I don't think it's cheaper in the game. I think it brought people to the game that otherwise wouldn't be there. I'd be there without it. I'd be there without it. <laughs> but I mean, as somebody who is a sports fan or like, you know, been diehard a sports fan for in all kinds of sports, man, you're a little and a degenerate gambler. I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think that eventually it's going to be too drama, too WWE for you that you're going to be like, dude, this, this isn't football anymore? No, not really. And I like baseball's changes to that effect last year. They try to speed up their game. They're trying to make people want to watch it. They're trying to get people interested to you know stop it being so slow you know football and basketball tennis those are faster golf baseball those are kind of slow soccer those are kind of slower you know but soccer in in europe they've been doing this for decades they've been they had posh and beckham you know what i mean yeah so um soccer it's a huge product over there posh and beckham that's a good point yeah, I mean, the, the, the Ronaldo, they've had celebrity relationships, you know. So um, I liked baseball's changes last year. I would love baseball without those changes. If they didn't have the pitch clock, if they didn't have this or that. I'm, like you said, I'm a sports junkie, gambler, you know, kind of guy. <laughs> I love the action, you know. So, but I'm, I realize the world doesn't revolve around me. I realize the world doesn't revolve around me. Doesn't so. revolve around you, uh, Ross. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm just saying they that it doesn't cheapen the game for me. Right, it doesn't cheapen the game for me. I'm fine with them doing stupid shit like celebrity couples and speeding up the game and stuff like. I'm fine with all of it. I I, I think it's I don't know. I don't really. I'm not too involved with sports. I like baseball, but I'm not too involved with sports in general. But I just think that the whole marketing and business aspect of this is just interesting because this is just this proven like uh, this was like a uh, proof of concept in a new different way of look. Taylor Swift had the most most um, the biggest grossing tour ever, four point four billion dollars or something like that. Second now is Beyonce with well over almost almost $2 billion, you know? And so you have not only these massive, this massive wealth, not only you have this, um, uh, you know, this new kind of like marketing, how much money did Cross Taylor- audiences. How much money did Taylor Swift make for the Chiefs? Dude, I have no idea. I have no idea. I bet it's insane. I bet yeah. it's about a quarter billion dollars or more. Oh, yeah, it seems insane. And for the NFL and the NFL. And the NFL. Yeah, even, even just, more than that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And how, or just for Travis himself. How much did that relationship just make him? Right. No, I. I yeah. Did it do he anything? He gets criticized because he's like a Pfizer uh, sponsor or whatever, things like this. But um, and how much much more did it make for for Taylor? Because now yeah. every dad that was watching football yeah. has their daughter next to him, and his daughter's like, "Oh, I want to go to the Swift concert. I want to." And every dad's like, "Fuck." To, well, I know I gotta buy to that. To be shit. fair, to be fair, <laughs> I know dads and all that that was buying that before this. True, true, before, true. Before, I mean, the Swifties, right. I think, are bigger but now, than the Chiefs fans. But now that you have your <laughs> now that you have your daughter on the couch it, it, with yeah. your son, that's that's cool different. Yeah. That's the cool thing. Exactly. That's you had a new audience coming to the Super Bowl and the whole playoff, right? Run, and really the whole regular season run. It, but to your very first point, it does seem staged. It does seem staged. Well, it, well <laughs> if it isn't, if it isn't, then they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah. They just made the NFL, the Chiefs, and so many people a billion dollars. And if it was, it was fucking marketing genius. And, and I'm going to speak out of turn here, but from my understanding, 
and if we have Swifties that listen to this, we, they could be mad. But from my understanding, she's made a big effort in her songs and her music of the past decade plus about her celebrity breakups. So it's kind of always been a part of her right. game, you know? <laughs> right. Everybody's got their own game. And, and she ha- has a relationship with a the celebrity. They break up and boom, is it's a song about you. We were never, ever, ever together, you know, or something like this. Right, so right. It seems like her and her team are fucking geniuses. <laughs> I mean, when you are a billion-dollar business yourself, I mean, you have the best of the best. Right. And nobody's going to let that but go. But that point you said about dads and daughters, I actually think that's extremely meaningful. It is. Yeah, really, it is. a good thing. Yeah. It 100% is. Yeah. I mean, from a dollar point of view, but the, the relationship point of view. And then did, I I usually hear, and I'm not saying this is the, the case, I usually hear about moms taking their, their daughters to these concerts, you know, whatever, which whatever one it was, if it was a Taylor Swift or whoever, yeah. right? Janet it's, it's, Jackson, yep, whoever. It's, it's going to be dads now. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's both. It, well, well yeah, I'm, I'm just saying yeah. that you're going to see more, right. way more dads go yeah. in there. It could yeah. be everybody, and yeah. it doesn't it have to be. be right. but, you, but you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's yeah. going to yeah. be this new kind of mm-hmm. like. Worlds collide. Audiences collide. Exactly. Yep. And mm-hmm. it is really cool. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. Anyway, all right, Ross, this is a two-hour podcast. Back at it. Yes, sir.